I think when Clay gets back, that's when they're really going to struggle because they haven't played with him in two years. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? This is the next episode of the Sports Forecasters. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we also have our other better host here, Nick. How's it going? Oh, going very well. Excited for the new Ghostbusters movie coming out. I know that's not sports related, but something I've always loved as a kid. So uh, excited about that, but also excited about the sports world coming up. Thanksgiving games are just around the corner. We'll be talking about those next week, but this week we have a few things we want to address before we get to our picks. Nathan, what are we going to look at for this week? Yeah, so college basketball has finally tipped off. It's, to me, the most underrated sports uh, watch is out there. March Madness, obviously not here yet, but we'll be here before you know it, is my all-time favorite time of the year. So I always get excited for college basketball, obviously for Duke and um, everything about that. So I just wanted to give my quick forecast of what I see this season going um, in the college basketball world. And so, you know, last year, Roy Williams retired, so there's a replacement there. This year, Coach K is doing his farewell tour, and John Shire is going to take over there. But there's really one thing that's really different about this year that I really want to talk about. I've I've talked on this show, and, and I even talked about this on my my original podcast that I had on how the parody in college basketball is going to increase. The upsets are going to increase. You're always going to see a very low seed in the final four. And we have the last several years. And the main reason for this is because all players are required to go to college. And so you see the blue bloods that you typically see there all the time. UCLA's, the Kentucky, the Kansas, the Dukes, North Carolina's and so on. You know, a lot of them get upset early in the tournament because they're filled with players that are a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of 18-year-olds that um, are more focused on the NBA, I would say, than their college career. And they're going up against very, very good programs that have a bunch of juniors and seniors that are very well coached. Uh, That may not be the five-star talent coming out, but... They get better and better, and obviously when you go three to four years playing together, you can beat the five-star talent that's inexperienced and maybe not as committed and focused into their college game. But this year is different, and here's why. Due to COVID, the transfer rules basically are, are don't exist. Um, players have been given the right to transfer wherever they want, whenever they want, with no, you don't have to sit out. These restrictions are are basically gone. Um, and so 
you know, I'm I'm looking up. Oh, let's see the Duke lineup this year. How many freshmen are we starting? And we're starting one freshman, and we're starting like three juniors and a senior. I was like, wait, that's not right. So I go to Kentucky, and it's the same thing. And the reason is, is because Duke and Kentucky have like three or four starters that are like senior transfers or junior transfers um, from other schools. Um, big time schools too. Um, not just, you know, you know, random, random small schools. It's so that brings a whole new dilemma and twist to this. And, uh, so these Dukes of Kentucky's don't have to really win it anymore with a bunch of 18 year olds. They get to bring in a bunch of talent and experience and seasoned veterans in college basketball to join their team to help complement those five-star freshmen coming in and to me this is a very you know these could be very dangerous teams um down the stretch in a march madness so i am predicting that you're going to see a very mm, typical march madness uh tournament now there will be upsets i just don't think it's going to be as frequent as we normally see i think this year you're going to see like a duke and a kentucky or ucla or villanova all four final four teams are going to be like, yeah, maybe top one, two, or three seeds. And they're basically teams that we would expect to be there because of this new rule. So that is kind of my forecast here. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't have an opinion on it right now. I'm just stating a, 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 basically a fact here. And I'm stating a, a, an assumption and a forecast that I'm making based off that new fact um, that we see here in college basketball. No opinion on it yet. We'll see how it plays out. But um, I just think because these teams, the, these teams that are typically filled with eighteen-year-olds now have these seasoned veterans on them, I think they could be very, very dangerous. And um, um, which, which is sad because I love the upsets. But uh, anyways, that is my forecast this year on college basketball. So make sure you tune in to to watch that. Yeah, and always very interesting for me. I'll be paying attention a lot earlier than what I've been accustomed to before we started doing this podcast just because I've been the average Joe and Jan fan where wait until conference tournaments come around. Then it's like, oh, yeah, I'll go look up a bunch of numbers to try to put together that perfect bracket. But this year could offer that parity and give that interest and spark. What would be your early forecast, Coach K's final year? What would be your prediction for them this year? Yeah, they they have a very talented um, point guard, and uh, uh, I think his last name is Bank Hero. That's how you pronounce it. Very very talented point guard, um, very lengthy, so like six six uh, point guard. A little bit of a Kate Cunningham kind of look. If you guys remember him from last year in Oklahoma State, number one overall pick. Very very similar, but much more lengthy, more. Um, dominant at the rim than Cade was. Not as good of a shooter, though. But they, they just bring in these. They brought in a, um, a Marquette transfer and other transfers that just, you could tell they, they're they not new to this. Um, I was just watching them play Gardner-Webb. Now I know it's Gardner-Webb. It, it looked like they've played together for three years already. And I've never I've never felt that way watching a Duke game in November because it's like, you just watch a bunch of eighteen-year-olds that are just like playing five one-on-one games, and this this team looks like they're just suffocating defense, and they're working so well together. It's like, yeah, they've they've been they've been doing this for a while. 
Um, so I'm not used to that, to seeing from Duke here in the last 10 years, that kind of play. So, and you you add the element of like, this is Coach K's last year, you know, and um, that could bring up an unwanted pressure, um, which could hurt them. But because they're not a bunch of 18-year-olds, I don't think it's going to bring an unwanted pressure. I think it's going to bring a much desired motivation as a result. So I think this is a Final Four team. I really do. Kentucky, as I said before, they uh, they're very similar situation as Duke. They bunch of transfers along with their five star freshmen, and they beat them easily. I in my they beat them pretty easily um, in their opening game. Duke was up by almost twenty points in that game. They only ended up winning by like eight or nine, but um, they kind of towards the end, you know, just rested starters and took it easy and took the gas off, you know, put, take the pedal off the gas there. But I, I mean, they're, they're a final four team. Um, they're definitely, you know, one, one of a handful of teams that I think could win it all this year. And I'm not saying this from a fan standpoint, I'm saying this very objectively based off this transfer rule. It's, it's, it's unfair, man. It's really unfair because everyone's going to, everyone picked Duke this year and all these transfers. This is last year. So, um, very, very interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. And as we move along, now moving on to another basketball league, the professional league. We Nathan and I were looking at the overall standings of the league, and we're looking at the top six teams here. And looking at these top six teams, we're kind of wondering how many are striking gold and are going to reach to the top or be in contention for the top, and how many of these teams are up here just because they're benefiting from an early schedule. We have Golden State, Washington, Phoenix, Chicago, Dallas, and Brooklyn. So out of those six teams, we're going to go through each one, give our opinions on which team we think will stay in playoff contention and which team, which ones do we see coming back to earth. We'll start with number six, Brooklyn. I don't know about you, Nathan. I'll go ahead and lead this off. Brooklyn, they're going to be in playoff contention. They're, they're veteran savvy with their top two stars, and they're just getting everything righted. They start off very slow, but now they're looking like everything is coming back together. They just recently, as of recording this podcast, just lost to Golden State, but those are going to happen with them. Uh, they're going to be fine. What's your take on Brooklyn? Yeah, so like you said, we're doing the top six here, and it happens to be the top three in the East and top three in the West overall. Um, and basically, to me, a contender is they're going to stay in kind of in the top three or four of their conference, and uh, our contender is and a pretender will probably drop outside of those top four. So Brooklyn, you know, I projected them second place at the beginning of the season and so i i still stick with that this is a team that is going to figure it out without Kyrie irving i mean you don't really need a quote-unquote true point guard in this league anymore um and they also have patty mills so who's a very seasoned point guard so i i think this team's going to be fine um they're, they're definitely going to be in the top you know two or three in the east uh, by the end of the year the next we got Number five is the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Nick, contenders or pretenders? Contender in the sense they will make playoffs. Pretender in the sense they'll be top four in the West, I think. I just don't know that they have enough right now unless they make a move for the trade deadline. I just don't think they're going to stay in the top four of the Western Conference. That Western Conference, uh, you have a lot of teams just kind of lingering right underneath them that I think are going to overtake them just because they have a better team build than what Dallas does. Now, if Dallas makes moves, that could change my whole outlook on it. But right now, I'd say they will drop out of the top four. I th- still believe they make playoffs, but not a top four contender. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, certainly they're a pretender to me. Um, I Yeah, they're going to make the playoff 
because like the top 10 make it now. So I, I don't think that, but they're, they're going to drop out of the top four. They're not going to have any home field home court advantage or anything like that. Um, rookie had co- rookie had coach. Well, rookie in a sense, it's the first year head coach. I should say, instead of rookie, Jason Kidd's been a head coach before, but here's the thing of the, of all the top six teams here, they're the only one that has a negative uh, point differential. So um, seems like they're winning their games super close and they're losing their games by a much larger margin. So typically, you know, statistically it will play itself out. You know, if you have a smaller, if you have a lower scoring differential, then you're probably going to drop in the ranking. So I suspect that from Dallas probably end up being, you know, a six or, or a seven seed in the West when it's all said and done. Um, let's jump up to uh, the next one, and that's the Chicago Bulls pretenders or contenders. A team you said early on that we should keep a watch on the radar. I, I kind of like smirked at it thinking, yeah, I think they'll make some noise, but I think they'll be kind of like a low-key noise, and they're definitely towards the top early on. The Chicago Bulls is definitely looking like they have pieces put together and they can do things in terms of being a top-four team in the East. Um, right now, there's a kind of a power vacuum right now with the Bucks struggling early on. So they have a chance to be a contender, but I'm going to side on what my gut says. I'm going to say pretender. They're going to be like a 5-6 team, but I think they still have that potential to maybe be that 4 team at the end of it all. What do you have, Nathan? Oh, they are so contenders, and I had them as a 3 seed, and I see the Bucks kind of struggling. The Nets, I think, will maybe ultimately be the 1 seed this year. Um, and the Bulls, the Bulls could be a two seed. Now your team that you had at the three spot, we both have bucks and nets. And then you had the heat who started off hot. Now they, I think they've lost three of four here. Um, so they've been struggling a bit, but they're not too far behind. Um, I think that's a team that to watch out for, but oh, I, I still think Chicago's a top three team in the East when it's all said and done. They, they're, they're, they have so much depth to that roster. Levine ball. DeRozan are like just meshing so well. It's a very fun team, a very fun watch. I, I love I love this team a lot. I like where they're going. So contender. Jumping up to the Phoenix Suns. Pretenders or contenders? Phoenix Suns, definitely an interesting case. It looks like they're starting to get back into what made them successful for their uh, run as Western Conference champions. Another hard team to guess, like Chicago, I think they could be and they couldn't be. I'm going to, just because some other teams aren't looking quite as strong as I thought they might have, I'm going to say they're going to just eke in as a contender. Just eke in. What do you have, Nathan? Yeah, the the Suns, um, they had a really rough start to the year. And I was like, oh, yeah. I It's like, well, last year was a fluke. But here they've won nine of their last ten games. One of the hottest teams in the league right now. Um, so it's, it's a young season. I, and so it's really hard to, to you know, to, to see if this is, is this just a little wave of good luck they're having, or is this uh, more of what's to come? I'm, I'm going to stick with contenders. I think they're going to be a top four team in the West uh, this year. So I'm going to stick with my contenders, and um, I think they'll, they'll certainly be having home court advantage at the beginning of the playoffs. Next one, we got the Washington Wizards. Pretenders or contenders? A very difficult team to kind of predict. Definitely not a team I had personally projected at the beginning of the season to be anywhere close to this. So 
I'm kudos to Beal. Congratulations to him in a sense for early on looking good. But I'm going to say pretender. I just don't think this Washington team, once they start hitting the meat of their schedule, is going to be up this far. They could prove me wrong. They could be like I thought with Chicago early on, uh, kind of there, but not really. But I'm going to say pretender. Washington just, they have to show me more before I believe in that. What do you have, Nathan? I agree. Um, Washington, uh, they're they're the... Really the odd one out here in this top six and um, one that neither of us ever expected. I think this is just a case of really good luck at the beginning of the season. Um, that's why they play 80, 82 games because it will all play itself out. And so they just happen to – everyone has a hot streak. They just happen to have it at the beginning of the year. So they'll drop eventually. Let's go to the hottest team right now in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors. Golden State is looking great right now, coming into the season at 12-2 and two currently, and they're still missing one of their key components and still playing very well at this point. And that's very encouraging to see because this is a team that once they get in the rhythm can be a headache, to say the least, for those teams that had championship aspirations on the Western Conference side. So definitely a contender. I mean... They keep up what they're doing. I don't know. I think they will they could put themselves in position for a one seed, but ultimately I think they might be a 2-3 by the time it all comes down just because their player, some of their key players are getting older, so they might rest a bit more than go for that number one seed because a couple seasons ago they found out we don't need to be the number one seed to be good. So definitely a contender, definitely a contender. So it'll be interesting to see what happens once Clay gets back and how that meshes back together. What are you seeing, Nathan? Yeah, Um I'm saying pretender. I'm not sold on the Warriors. They're they're hot right now, but they're so stuff reliant. And he's he's hot right now, but he's not gonna stay this way the entire year. So they they're gonna hit a slump at some point. So it's just not yet. Um, so they're joining this hot streak, which is great. Um, I think when Clay gets back, that's when they're really gonna struggle because they haven't played with him in two years. Clay's going to be all amped up. They're going to want him involved. I think it's going to be trying too hard to get him involved. And I think it's going to mess with that chemistry. And let's be honest with you. You know, let's be honest. Is, is uh, what's Poole? I'd forget his first name, but Poole. Like, is he going to keep playing this well? Probably not. Gary Payton the second. He's going to keep playing this well. Probably not. A lot of these guys that you've never heard of are playing out of their minds right now, um, which is great. I love it, but. It's not going to sustain. Stuff shooting is not going to sustain. When Clay gets back, I think it's, they're going to hit some real hot, bumpy roads. I think this start is going to help them get a little bit of a maybe an, an extra seed or two in the in the playoffs. But I still think this is ultimately like a five or a six seed in the in the Western Conference when it's all said and done. So I know it's a pretty bold claim um, right now, and I might be a uh, tooth in, you know tongue in cheek here come you know March or April, but. Um, I'm, I'm sticking my guns here. Um, got to be bold on this podcast. So this is my bold, uh, pretender golden state. I am disappointed. We didn't talk about Orlando magic. I think they're definitely a contender for most lotto balls for the top pick sitting at three and 11. So I think a lot of hope is there in Orlando. So don't give up magic fans. It's a perpetual, perpetual rebuilding team. Yes. We like the revolving door. We like to build you a superstar and ship it off to you. So we're kind of um, import-export service there in Orlando. Moving on to the NFL. NFL just recently, a team in particular, just recently acquired a quarterback that they got rid of two seasons ago, brought him back, and they're still paying 
another quarterback, which is in Denver, and paying a quarterback that just got injured that they traded for in this last offseason. That is the Carolina Panthers, who has the ultimate carousel of quarterbacks going on. And having three quarterbacks on the books must be an interesting feat to have going on. I'm pretty sure there's other teams that do that. But what does that translate to for the Carolina Panthers? Does that translate to success here? Or does it translate into a complete dumpster fire? So looking at this right now, I think Cam coming into the Carolina Panthers is the absolute perfect time for him to come in and get adjusted to the system in terms of the teams they have coming up. Now, two of these teams I feel like can be good adjustment games, but maybe not so much. The first team I'm looking at that in this three-game stretch with Cam coming back, if he stays the starter, I think it really hinges on Christian McCaffrey. Um, that, I'm going to say that right off the top. I think the whole success of Cam or Sam or whoever they're going to have for quarterback, except P.J. Walker, I don't see a long-term future for him being the starting quarterback. Christian McCaffrey is going to be the precipice for you to be that successful team, Carolina, if you're looking to be that playoff team, which all teams are. A lot, everyone's still in the hunt at this point. First team you have is the Washington football team coming off that major upset against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They played excellent. They're looking better in form, but they lose Chase Young for the year. So that's going to be a good opportunity for you to run a style that you think will be successful for you. You'll be able to adjust. The big test, I think, for this first three-game stretch will be the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins defense has been playing very well as of late. They've been getting turnovers. They've been scoring off those turnovers on the defensive side, trying to make up for the offensive inefficiencies that the Dolphins have been. Hopefully they're getting over that. But going against Miami Dolphins would be a good game to just kind of see how everything's going. Bye week reevaluate and come back with Atlanta Falcons, which uh, they're they're looking like they're contending for number one pick. They're not there yet, but they're contending for it. Then the real slog of your schedule begins where you go against the Bills, Bucks, Saints, and then Bucks again. So if Carolina has a shot, it's these three games here going against Washington, Miami, and Atlanta. Can Cam propel them to there? I think against Washington, against Atlanta for sure. Washington and Miami, it just depends which defensive team you get and how well you scheme. Will Matt Rule come up with the right scheme for it? And it's hard for me to be sold on what I saw with Cam at the end of the season, but because he's coming in midseason, I'm assuming he kept in great shape. His arm's going to look strong. It's going to look like it can, it can heave it down the field. And with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, those are two receivers that can get down the field quick. So I'm going to say that this puts them in a better position for the wild card and the season schedule. A lot of things have to kind of break their way. They really have to get these three games to keep themselves there. So overall, I think the Cam experiment looks good but then it starts to falter apart, not because of any fault of his per se, but just because of the opponents they have down that final four game stretch. Did you have any thoughts on this, Nathan? I just have some questions for you on this, if you don't mind me asking. You're the Panthers GM. What What do you, you the Panthers go nine and eight, they get the, let's say six or seventh seed in the, in the NFC and Cam plays pretty good. What do you do next year? Uh, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, neither. You ditch them both and go after this, you know, Rodgers maybe, uh, Deshaun Watson if things are a little bit more clear there. Russell Wilson now seems to be a hotter trading uh, market quarterback here. You know, what does Carolina do if maybe they look pretty good with Cam 
and make the playoff? Well, the first thing I would look at as a GM is how many years do I still have Darnold under contract? Because he does have a $30 million contract. And so he doesn't become a free agent until 2023. And so you have one more season with him. How much more are you still on the hook for that? Because you've obviously shown you're not too worried about having to pay quarterbacks and divvy out that money. Um, definitely, I think Carolina should be a team that looks for that next quarterback, the draft. But what do I do? I would feel more comfortable having Darnold or Newton kind of be that fi- gap filler. Just fill in that gap until I can get that new quarterback get him to understand the system, get him to be comfortable with the reins, and then have him eventually take over. Because at this point, I'm not sure that Cam Newton can survive a whole grind of a season just because of the style he plays, not because how he can play. So for me, depending on how the season goes, if you give me a six or seven seed, I'm going to say, see you later, Darnold. We'll start with Cam and try to get our new guy drafted and get him understanding the system because Cam knows this isn't a forever thing. And I don't know that Cam will stay forever. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll want to ride off the sunset with Carolina. So for me, I'm going to keep Darnold or Cam, one of the two, just depending on the contract situation with Darnold, if I'm a GM, and then I'm drafting my next guy. I have to draft my next guy because it's obvious that Sam Darnold Started off hot with that 3-0 start. Surprised many of us, but Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Then your team just falls asunder. So right now, Christian is your key. But in this league, the running back can't be your key forever. He can be a great component. Especially a running back that only has one leg, it seems like. He's always injured. Uh, but but the problem is, though, is like they're going to be picking 15th, 16th in the draft. They may not get that quarterback to replace cam so that that that's that's kind of that was kind of the concern well if current history holds serve mac jones is looking to be the rookie quarterback of this class so maybe that 15 16 pick is the money pick now maybe you kind of <laughs> get the fools go well, out of the way <laughs> uh, i think landing in new england's not a bad gig in the first place so Hundred um, percent agree. Hundred percent agree on that one. <laughs> uh, I always knew it was situational, sure. not talent. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence in New England would be fantastic. Anyways, very, very good assessment there. Um, it would be interesting to see how Carolina does moving forward um, with Cam Newton if they can sneak in the playoffs. So, without further ado, let's jump to our picks. Yes, and for our picks this week, we're going to start off how we always do. We're going to start off the Saturday night football college game. We have Oregon going against Utah. Right now, Oregon's the dog at two and a half with the over-under being at 60 points. Nathan, what line are you looking at for this game? Uh, This is tough. I have a 29-28 game. I have Utah pulling off this upset, but it's a super close game. So it's Oregon plus three, or do I take the over-under? I think this game could be like an overtime game. Um, and so that, that you, you always fear that with the over unders, um, especially if you want the under. And so I'm just, I'm going to stick to, uh, I'm going to say Oregon plus three. I just think it's going to be a super close game. Um, if Utah wins, it's going to be a, by a point or two If Oregon wins and they're, they're going to win fair and square in my opinion. So I think this nothing i don't really like any of it but if i had to pick I'll, I'll pick oregon plus three but i still think utah wins it similar notion uh, a lot of lines that are hard to pick especially when the line's that close at two and a half and i'm going to stick with the two and a half with oregon 
covering that. I feel like Oregon has a lot going well with their defense after watching the Washington game. So I think this game stays close, like you said, and Oregon covers that two and a half. So we're both in agreement on the line that we're looking at for that one. Moving on to our spread pick. This week, our spread pick. I'm going. I'm looking at Dolphins and Jets. I think Dolphins more than cover that three and a half. I think they start showcasing a bit more of the team that we thought we were going to get, not because of being an offensive juggernaut, but I think their defense shuts them down, puts the offense in good positions, and they cover that three and a half. What's your spread pick? Yeah, that's, that's a very good pick. Uh, the Jets a lot more points than any other team in the NFL this year. I'm going to pick Arizona to minus two and a half. Um, obviously, they had a rough outing last week, uh, but they're going to get a bunch of their players back this coming week. Uh, fantastic. So I think this team is going to bounce back and rebound well. And, and and the two and a half, I think, is a, a little bit of a steal here, especially given the fact that they'll get a bunch of their players back. So that's what I'm picking. Over-under, what do you got? Over-under, I'm looking at Saints and Eagles. Is that 43 and a half? It's going to go over, I think. The Eagles are scoring at a high clip. They're scoring over 24 points in their last four games. So I'm just going to stick with what I'm seeing in the trend from the Eagles. I haven't been high on them, but they have definitely been proving me wrong, which as a fan is bittersweet, hoping for a good draft pick. But they have been doing well. And the Saints seem to respond with their competition. I know their defense is usually stagnant, but Jalen seems to be running with the ball with decent efficiency, I should say. So I'm going to say 43 and a half, that game's going to go over. Yeah, I have the same exact pick there, same exact results. So uh, we're going to have to watch that one out, but um, you said everything, so let's move on to the money line. What money line do you have for this week, Nathan? I'm going to – I don't have any, (laughs) but if I had to pick one, I'm going to go Dallas over Kansas City. Um, Kansas City, I believe, is two and a half point favorites here. So I'm gonna pick Dallas um, to upset them. They Kansas City's won three in a row. They look really, really good. Um, but Dallas also looks really, really good. So this might be one of the best games all year. I'm really excited, but I'm gonna go with Dallas. Same. I'm going with Dallas. They looked really good. Uh, look like they took out the revenge on Atlanta, but. They play a game that Kansas City does not like, where you can mix the run and the pass and be efficient in both. So I'm going to take Dallas in the money line as well. Moving on to our Sunday night football game. We have Steelers at Chargers. Which line are you looking at for the Steelers versus the Chargers, Nathan? Tough game here. I don't really like any of the lines, um, but I'm just going to go with the under the 47. Uh, the Steelers offense, not very good. <laughs> and... Uh... And the Steelers' defense has been playing very, very well ever since they got T.J. Watt back. Um, so I, I think, you know, they, they they had a pretty ugly game against Detroit last week, but that was in the ugly rain in Pittsburgh. So everything's the under there. So, But, but I still think this offense has some struggles, but this defense is still really, really good. And I think the Chargers, um, they get a little careless, so some unforced errors I think will – kind of slow and stall a lot of scoring possessions they could have. So I'm going to do the under the 47. I have the same thing. I looked at the over under. I went 47 points. Just Steelers have been unimpressive. They should get Big Ben back. TJ, who knows how long he's out for, if he's out for a period of time. So just a lot of things just not looking super strong. So yeah, I'm going under 47 points as well. Wild card. 
the wild card pick for this. I'm going money line. I say the Raiders bounce back and beat the Bengals. They had a horrid outing against the Chiefs. I think they rebound and win at home again. They keep their house money, win against the Bengals. What is your wild card pick for the week? My wild card pick is the Carolina Panthers that you talked about, minus three and a half. I think uh, with Cam Newton coming, I think he brings him a little spark. He's going to get first team reps. You know, they're going to bring something to this game that no one's going to be able to see on tape because there's nothing, you know, they don't have anything with Cam this year. So um, I think it's always an advantage. Uh, for any team to have this sort of tool to bring someone to the table that no one has any tape on. And so I think uh, Carolina could really do some damage in this game and put up a lot of points. And um, so I got them minus three and a half. Yep. And those are our picks for this week. It'll be interesting to see how some of them shake out, especially with uh, Oregon-Utah. That's going to be a pivotal thing for the college football playoffs. Will Oregon stay in contention? Will they drop out? Time will tell. But that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez. We'll see you next time.